When it comes to helping our kids control their emotions, the best thing we can do for them is control our own. If you feel like you've been yelling a lot these days, then today's episode is for you. This is episode 22 of the Curious Neuron Podcast. Welcome to the Curious Neuron Podcast, parenting advice that is backed by science. My name is Cindy Huffington, and I'm the founder and your host. I have a doctorate degree in neuroscience, and I'm a mom of three. My goal is to bring you information from research that will help you parent your child. Whether you just had a baby or you have a teenager, Curious Neuron is here to answer your questions. Learn with us by visiting our website at CuriousNeuron.com. Join us on Instagram or Facebook. Join our courses, our live webinars, or our weekly family meetings on Monday nights. Send in your comments or questions at info at CuriousNeuron.com. Hi, welcome back to another episode. This week has been a big week with Curious Neuron on Instagram. We covered a topic uh, about child safety or body safety and consent. And it really has been a very challenging or sensitive week uh, because of the topic. A lot of you were not sure how to approach this topic. And I'm glad that our posts all week have been helping you out. I wanted to follow up this topic um, by having one of our weekly support groups cover this topic. Um, I'm publishing this late. This podcast should have been published about a week ago, a week and a half ago. Um, But on Monday, March 1st at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, we are going to cover the topic of body consent and safety. So if you'd like to join us, visit CuriousNeuron.com and at the top you can click on free parent support or support group and you'll get the Zoom link so that you can join us for free and if you are a member you will get this uh, replay link uh, in your inbox and if you're not a member you can click on membership on our website to register now uh, i'll also be following up this topic uh, i think on a future podcast because it is a very important topic and what i've learned this past week is that a lot of you want guidance on how to speak to your children about private body parts and about consent and protecting their bodies so we will do that I don't want to delay the interview any longer. Today's interview with Dr. Anne-Louise Lockhart is an amazing one because she will really give you advice and tips on regulation and mindset, something that we all need right now. Secondly, um, I'm changing the layout of the podcast a little bit. I'll just be saying quick hellos at the beginning and after the interview, I'll be having discussions now with our new producer, Marion, who is also a neuroscientist and a mom of three. So I think that the conversations we'll be having um, and we'll touch upon some of the research articles will allow us to share our experiences and also share the science with you. And I hope you enjoy that. If you are enjoying the Curious Neuron podcast, please take a moment on iTunes to rate it out of five stars and to leave a review. And when you leave a review, it allows me to to know exactly what you're enjoying and and what you're not. You could be critical too, uh, but it allow me to make any changes or continue doing something that you enjoy. Like I said, I don't want to delay this interview any longer. You are going to need maybe a pen and a paper for this one. And please do let me know if you enjoyed it. You can DM me on Instagram at curious underscore neuron. You can head on to our website, curiousneuron.com or send me an email at info at curiousneuron.com. 
See you on the other side. So today I'm speaking with Anne-Louise Lockhart. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We are talking about a topic that, in my opinion, is much needed right now, given everything that's going on. And this is, like I was telling you, the most common question, which is, I am yelling a lot more than I have before with my kids. And I want to have this conversation with you today because I want to offer some hope (laughs) to parents. Um, Is there hope? (laughs) Yes, there is. There's lots of hope. It doesn't feel like it in the moment. And I think when people say, oh, it's normal, that doesn't feel hopeful. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. It's like, so now what? (laughs) So how about we begin our conversation? I always like to bring it down so that we're all on the same level. What, What is it when we say What's emotion regulation and and co-regulation? What are those those terms that we've been seeing a lot on on accounts on Instagram and and people are talking about it, but what does it mean? So, you know, I think in the simplest terms that kind of makes sense is just, it's a way to balance yourself, to Mm -hmm. be in a state where in spite of everything that's going around you, your behavior, your thoughts, your emotions, your mindset are in somewhat of a balance Mm. and even if it kind of gets off kilter you have something that could bring you back because we're not always going to be balanced because that means that we're operating perfectly and no one does that but it means that even if you get off track you can bring yourself back into balance so to me it's about balance it's about kind of this homeostasis of keeping things in check so that if one area is kind of amiss, mm. then another one kind of gives way to kind of make up for it. We do that in our families. We do that in our bodies. We do that in our emotions. It, it happens It happens in nature. Mm-hmm. Right? And I love that definition because it also gives us the visual and the understanding that it will not always be in balance. It's not a goal of never yelling again in your life with your, you know, at your child is not realistic. It's, it's so it's okay that we're yelling. But now, like you said, something is off balance, then the work needs to be done to put it back into balance. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also I think it's important for us to say that regardless of the fact that, you know, let's say even with my background in neuroscience and you're a psychologist and you work with um, children or adults, uh, actually, all of them. I primarily oh. work with children and adole- actually now more adolescents okay. and uh, young adults through adults. So kind of the whole age the whole, range. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and even yeah. even with that, you know, our backgrounds, it doesn't mean that everything is always in balance. <laughs> right. Because exactly. things like pandemics happen. <laughs> well, and we, we see that because when people are like, well, I feel frazzled because I'm stuck mm-hmm. at home and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff is like, well, of course you're out of balance because you're yeah. not supposed to be at home all the time, no. right? Yeah. And I've spoken to people recently who are in Boston and New York who got hit with the snowstorm and they are like, I just got them out the house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <they're stuck> in- <laughs> you know, again, that's going to feel bad because you felt like now you're getting things, you're getting into the swing of things. And now again, the snow has put things back mm. out of balance you know Mm. so I think we're constantly in a state of give and take which is what keeps us regulated Mm -hmm. when we have a partner or spouse that gives and takes when we have a household that gives and takes we feel balanced but when that thing gets off then we're going to yell more we're going to be more upset we're going to be more dysregulated Mm -hmm. and that's where a lot of that dysregulation comes from is Mm -hmm. when we're out of balance I think we're able to identify a lot of the external factors that show that we are dysregulated. Would you be able to speak to what's happening internally when we're dysregulated? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So one of the senses that most of us don't learn about um, when we are little all the way, actually, 
I mean, I think I learned about this in grad school is interoception, right? Mm. And interoception is one of those senses that helps you to manage and monitor your internal state. Mm -hmm. So knowing when you're hungry, knowing when you're thirsty, knowing when you're sleepy and tired. Um, and some of us are good at picking up on that. And others, if we're dysregulated naturally, mm -hmm. then we go from being not hungry to I'm starving to death. <laughs> what is it? Right? Those Mars bars commercials? <laughs> <laughs> Snickers, right? Oh, Snickers, Feed the hunger. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Right. And it's yeah. like we go and, and I, I totally relate. I used to have like really bad blood sugar kind of iron stuff going on as a kid. <laughs> and so I would feel that it's like all of a sudden you just want to pass out. Yeah. It's like, OK, well, can you judge before you get to the passing out phase? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And so all of that stuff is that internal body state that on a basic level of our basic needs, that's kind of occurring. But most of us don't pay attention. Well, many of us don't pay attention to our internal body state with our emotions. Mm hmm. And as adults, you know, I have this conversation a lot because I do a lot of parent coaching. And a lot of it is that we go back to like, well, what message did you receive when you were a kid uh, about your emotions? Yeah. Mm, right? Mm. Because if you were told that being angry was not right, don't be angry, get over it. You have yeah. nothing to be mad about. You have nothing mm. to be upset about. Then you learn to stuff it or you learn to explode or you learn some other way because people don't didn't validate you. Mm. And so then then it's hard to know how to manage those states so that when you become a grown adult with children who become frustrated and you see them having this emotion that you couldn't have mm -hmm. and you weren't allowed to have and you didn't learn how to regulate yeah, it, yeah. then of course you're going to yell and scream and then yeah. tell them to get over it because you never really learned how to deal with it. Yeah. So if, let's say a parent is listening now and realizing, you know what, that was the way <laughs> that I was raised. Now what? Is there, can I undo that? Am I, am I stuck in this? You know, what, what can the parent do? No, it's, you know, it's so funny, Cindy. <laughs> I think that um, I just always believe that things kind of work themselves out. I literally just had this conversation with three people this morning. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so what we were talking about, because it's that exact same thing. It's like, you know, they had these emotions and they don't know what to do with them. Mm. So they either stuff them down or they explode or they yes. give themselves some negative self-talk. Mm. So one of the things that we talked about, which I think is extremely important, is to be able to say, um, okay, where did I get the message that I couldn't feel these feelings? Mm. And okay, once we kind of identify that, because like just knowing the origin isn't enough, right? Yeah. Then we have to be able to tell ourselves, okay, my feelings are valid, whether or not people validate them. Mm. It's true. Yeah. And another thing is then if you're feeling something, then you need to tell yourself, well, of course I'm feeling like frustrated. This is a frustrating situation. I've literally been home for 11 months with my four children. <laughs> Any reasonable person would be frustrated. <laughs> like, I think that self-talk yeah. is really important yes. because I think we think, Oh, I hear this so much. Oh, I'm being such a bad mom because yes. I'm sick of my kid being home. I'm yeah. like, okay, let's back it up. How long have your kids been home? Mm. 11 months. Have you ever had your kids home for 11 months during a pandemic? No. no. Have you ever been at home with your kids, with your husband, with four kids during a pandemic? <laughs> so of course it's you're normal. feeling upset and mm. overwhelmed and frustrated. I feel that. Mm. And, and I'm, it's like, oh gosh, like you want to break, you want to travel, you want to yeah. see friends, you want to go to a restaurant, you want to do these things, yeah. but you're out of balance. And so you're going to get more frustrated. But then I think, 
I think this is a question that I've received. So now you're saying, you know, you're off balance because you're not getting that break. You're not being able to step out. You're not being able, you're not able to have that time alone. If we can't change that, how do we get back on balance? You know, how do we balance? <laughs> I think that's where, you know, you have to, okay. So one of the things before I get to that real yeah. quick is that I think we have to be able to learn to sit with our emotions because again, if we were always given the message that frustration or anger or overwhelm was bad, then what do we learn to do? Stuff it down or um, self-medicate it or ignore it or avoid it in some way, Got it. right? Yeah. So then we're never really dealing with our emotions. So how can we get back in balance if we're just pretending like the emotion isn't there, mm. right? Yeah. So we have to kind of uh, um, give words to what we're feeling. Got it, yeah. And then be able to develop a tolerance for emotions, to be able to feel bad, quote unquote, mm -hmm. and be okay with feeling that. Uh, so it's kind of like exposure therapy, mm -hmm. but for your emotions, <laughs> yeah. right? To expose yeah. yourself yeah. to feeling overwhelmed and being okay with it. Being exposed to having your kids being loud and screaming and having a messy house and not feeling like you have to always clean up all the time yeah. because you're having these judgy feelings about yourself. Like mm -hmm. allow yourself to just feel frustrated in the moment mm -hmm. and overwhelmed in the moment and be okay with it. Mm -hmm. And that's the hardest part, I think, for most of us because yeah. we always want to fix it. We yeah. want to do something about it. Quickly. Right Quickly. Away. Yeah. <laughs> right. Get rid of it. Yeah. We're broken. We need to be fixed. This yes. house needs to be cleaned up. These kids need to shut up. Yeah. You know, I need a break. All at the same right? time. <laughs> All at the same right. time. All at the same time. And so I think once we can look at being able to acknowledge it, be able to validate it, be able to acknowledge why we're feeling it, any reasonable person would be feeling this, tolerate that those emotions, then I think we have to learn how to be mindful. Mm -hmm. Yes. I, for me, I think mindfulness is one of the best, the relaxation and mindfulness is being able to enjoy and find the escape even when you can't physically escape. Mm. Yes. Okay. So two things that you touched on. So you mentioned, um, I, I forgot how you worded it, but basically that it's not just us experiencing this, like it's okay to be in this moment. And it t touches on something called self-compassion where yes. you, um, where you understand that it's not just you in this world and that we're all going through this or other people are experiencing it. Then all of a sudden, all that anger or those emotions that were saying, just me, why me, you know, that feeling it kind of dissipates because it's not just you. It, can you explain a little bit more also of self-compassion and then we'll get back on that because this, this whole mindfulness and all that is, is connected. Yes. So Dr. Kristen Neff talks about that self-compassion out of UT Austin. And I like that so much because self-compassion is basically saying we all are miserable at some point. It's a universal mm -hmm. human experience to have hardship. Mm -hmm. So when you're going through something bad, everybody has and to be able to give yourself a break and saying well yeah life is hard sometimes and life has been extra hard lately but that's most people yeah but we're not all having a shared miserable experience because some people are thriving during yeah. the pandemic yes. and doing great yeah, right that's true. Yeah. and some people are doing much much worse than they ever have been hmm. so there are a range of human experiences within each experience so I think because of so much being so immediate with all of our social media, especially with Instagram and seeing everybody's highlights, yes. then we think, oh my gosh, I wish I was doing what they were doing. I wish that I had it together like them. I yeah. wish that I was always cooking, you know, 
organic home cooked yeah. meal. Like, come on now. Like, that's not realistic. Yeah. Right? Yeah. McDonald's isn't selling billion burgers every year because everybody's eating organic. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> right? <laughs> I just recently saw a post and I shared it because it was important to show parents and moms, you know, we, we're busy working and we're maintaining the house and we're maintaining work and ourselves and and there was a picture of, of two meals for and and the person was a, a dietitian I think and said both were okay. It was McDonald's and another one with the broccoli and the quinoa and the whatever it was. And she was like, both are fine. Your children are, are being fed, and we we need to give ourselves that break. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's where that self compassion comes in. Mm. So you know when my kids are like, hey, what are we having for dinner? And I'm like, we're having pizza. I'm like that's what we're having. Yeah. Like that's. But they're, they're always like, hey, excited. Pizza. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, pizza. They don't mind <laughs> when I tell my kids nope. it's pizza night or McDonald's night. They're the happiest kids in the world. <laughs> right. It's not. Yeah. It's not going to make or break them for mm. the rest of their life. Yeah. Like they will be fine, <laughs> and you'll be fine. And it'll take a break. And I heard it. Yeah. I saw a meme. And I thought it was hilarious, and it said, you know. Um, when we were a kid, we thought our parents were cool because we had movie night and a pizza. And I realized they were just tired. And oh, like, yeah. yeah. That's, <laughs> that's so good. That's exactly that's why. So... <laughs> Every Friday. Yeah. Hey, we're like the fun Makes parents. Sense. Yeah, right? exactly. Wow. I know. But, you know, it's it's that guilt also, that cycle of guilt where we just fall into we do something and then we get we feel guilty about it and then we get mad at ourselves and that negative self-talk and then we say okay i won't do that again tomorrow whether it's the yelling or anything in parenting and then we do it again and then we go back into that negative so it's that really vicious cycle of, of guilt yeah. that we need to figure out how to get ourselves out and there are ways so now you've touched upon a lot and i think we can start narrowing down for parents so you you touched on mindfulness what are what are some things that parents could start doing tomorrow <laughs> Well, and I think kind of just want to mention one oh, thing yeah. when you said that mm-hmm. uh, we know what, that we shouldn't yell, but yet we do it anyway, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so because we're not perfect, and because we get frustrated, and so but yet we have these expectations for these little ones in our lives. Uh-huh. Well, they know better; they should stay in bed. Why don't yeah. they just stay in bed? Mm. Well, but we know a lots of stuff, and we have more decades of experience under our belt, but yet we still mess up. Yeah. So we have to have more compassion for them ah, too, yes. not just for ourselves, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And to give all of us a break that we're all doing the best that we can. And when kids are having a rough time, it's because they're having a rough time. And so we have to appreciate that we're all having a rough time at some level and we're all just exhausted trying to make it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that you spoke about the children too, because it was something I think I just posted it today where behavior in a child is a way of them communicating to us what's going on internally. So the same way that we might yell and, and realize it's because I'm stressed and I've been yelling a lot more if they're acting out in a way that we don't understand, clearly it's it's a way that they're trying to say maybe they're stressed or maybe they're experiencing something. So I, I think when you approach everything through compassion um, okay. with yourself or with your child and you approach it through an, uh, you know another lens of curiosity as well, then you start to understand a little bit more of what's going on. So well, I and it that. helps us. And it helps us to understand, too, that just as when we yell, although it's not the best approach, Mm -hmm. but we do it, I do Mm -hmm. it, Mm -hmm. it does help you regulate in some way. True. Right? Because you feel frustrated and you yell and you're like, oh. Yeah. (laughs) But same thing with them. When they have their whining fit or their tantrum and they're like rolling around on the floor like my son does, and then they feel eventually better, Mm. it's kind of like that was their way of regulating. Mm. It may not be the healthiest and most effective way in general from our adult eyes, but it helped them regulate. So I think we have to also realize that they're trying to find their own way to regulate and balance themselves, but they need us to teach them how to do it in a more effective way. Mm -hmm. Because you can be stressed and bite your nails 
or when you're stressed, you can crochet. Yeah, true. So there's different ways of doing something that can feel release and regulating and one can be very healthy and one can be very unhealthy. Mm Okay. And, and you know, when when parents ask me about tantrums, it, it's interesting because I'll just go right to them, not the child, but the adult. <laughs> and they're like, no, 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 I need I need help with my child. I want to fix their tantrums. And I'm like, yes, we're going to talk about you <laughs> because and what we're going to talk about after like coming up with you, you know, if we don't and you just touched upon this, which is why I'm talking about it. But if we don't model how to regulate ourselves and if we don't model, you know, when mommy or daddy is frustrated you know, I, I, I say it out loud. I say that I'm frustrated. And this is what I do to kind of let that energy out. The, our children will never learn. They, it's not just going to come naturally. Right. Exactly. Mm. Right. Because they're watching us and they're having to be, we need to model it for them all yeah. the time. Yeah. And it's hard when you feel spent and you don't feel like you, you have any tools exactly. because, you know, a big part of emotional regulation is being able to tap into your emotions. Mm-hmm. And if you are um but you have to logically know you have to tap into your emotions and mm-hmm. when our we like we see a lot is that when our emotions are um triggered our logical centers shut down and don't, we don't have access to that anymore mm-hmm. our higher order functions are just they're like out to lunch mm-hmm. and so then we're like well i know better than to yell or i know better than to do whatever yeah but when you're so emotionally triggered you don't have access to those higher functioning mm-hmm. and so that's why doing things like mindfulness and relaxation, which we'll talk about in a moment, Mm -hmm. I know, doing those things then helps calm your brain, calm your body, helps you get in touch with those interoceptive kinds of things going on in your body. So that way you can access, okay, this is what I should do instead. This Mm -hmm. is going to be more effective for me and my kids. All right, let me do those more healthy, you know, things that I know I need to do. Yeah. And there's a lot of work that goes into all of this before you actually can help yourself during the moment, I'm assuming, right? Because I even for, for with, with tantrums, there's, you know, you need to teach a child how to identify the emotions and so on. So, and it's not just going to get fixed at the next tantrum, right? There's a lot of work that's going to go into it. How you mentioned, you know, we've been talking about tapping into your emotions. Is this something that someone can do on their own? Or is this something that they would need to speak to a therapist if they want to really tap into their emotions? I mean, I think, you know, it really depends on the individual that I think that if you have a really generally a good foundation and you have a lot of because there's a lot of things that um, psychology talks about in terms of risk factors versus protective factors. And so risk factors are things that kind of put you more at risk of not coping with things as well. So, you know, coming from divorce or abuse or lots of trauma, um, you know, mental health issues, those kinds of things. But then protective factors would be having a support system, having, uh, believing it's okay to ask for help, mm. um, faith, your faith, um, having um, people that you can rely on in your uh, community, those mm-hmm. kinds of things, resources at your disposal. So if you feel like you are just tapped out and spent and you don't have a lot of uh, support in your life, you might need a professional to help you through it because if you could do it on your own, you would be able to, Yeah. right? Yeah. Exactly. Versus those who feel like, no, 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 I got a good spouse or a good, good partner. I have a family nearby and I feel like I'm doing really great, but it's just this one area of my life that I feel like I just need help with. Um, then you might just need some tools, take a class, take a seminar, mm-hmm. maybe get a couple coaching sessions from a professional, but then you can kind of go, go um, on your own. Um, 
but it's really hard to say because I have a mix of people that I do parent coaching. Some people who just feel like they're at their wits end mm. and others who are doing really good. They just need more direction because they've read every book, attended every <laughs> webinar yeah. and things still aren't changing yeah. and they just need a different perspective, mm -hmm. you know? And so I think everybody can be helped with getting professional help, whether it's a yeah. psychologist. And so. are there sort of these flags or signs that you would need you know, more immediate help. So I'm, I'm just thinking more of somebody who might have had, just have had a baby, um, mm -hmm. just gave birth, sorry. And, you know, maybe they don't recognize certain signs, but they're, they're feeling more angry, you know, and moms were saying that they felt angrier or they had just had a child and felt angry and they didn't know why. Is mm -hmm. there sometimes a chemical imbalance or something where you were fine before and all of a sudden you're yelling at everyone um, and, and feel that you're not yourself, something that would be a, a you know, sign that you really need to speak to someone? Yeah, I think most of when we look at our, if we're going to look at like diagnoses or look at things that are causing problems, most diagnoses, it's about causing significant impairment in multiple areas of functioning, which basically means that if you are, um, you know, you just gave birth, you are a new mom and you feel like everything is getting on your last nerve. You're yelling at everybody that you don't want to interact with anyone. You're isolating. Like you feel like you are significantly different. Yeah. And it's not changing. That's an impairment in functioning. That's you're not you. You've mm. kind of lost yourself. Mm. Um, or if you feel like you know during the pandemic that you know you initially were doing okay and then you did horribly and then you were then you're just not coming back to who you are mm. uh, and you're just not operating. You don't want to go to work. You're not getting out of bed. Anything that you feel like you are significantly different and you don't feel like you're operating as normal, those are those are all things you want to pay attention to because changes in your personality, changes in your emotions, your thoughts, your eating, um, your your appetite, your sleep, all of those things are showing that you're out of balance. Mm. And if you're out of balance physically, you're going to be out of balance emotionally. Yeah, good point. Right, because our mind and our body are connected, and so we really want to pay attention to. Um, when our bodies are doing things, because usually by the time our bodies are doing it, our mind has already done it. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I love that. It, and it's important for us to mention that. Um, okay, so now um, let's talk about mindfulness. I love this yes. topic because Me too. I think it gives hope, you know, it's hope that there is a way to put yourself back in balance. <laughs> so with mindfulness, I mean, really what it is, is um, focused attention. Mm. And so I use it a lot for like, uh, I just did um, several seminars with my team on uh, hypnosis. I've got a lot of okay. training it over the years and I love hypnosis because what it's, it is, is just basically focused attention. It's being able to redirect your focus to the thing that you want mm. and you are fully in control. And that's why it's so amazing because whether it's hypnosis or mindfulness or relaxation, um, it's about letting yourself know what you are choosing to attend to rather than not. Hmm. So when people say, oh, I need to have a completely quiet environment to do relaxation. No, you don't, because it's not about your environment. It's about what you're choosing to focus on. Hmm. And so it could be, so one of the mindfulness techniques, the basic one is, is just deep breathing. And there's lots of different names for breathing, right? Yeah. There's four square B breathing, oh, yeah. there's diaphragmatic yes. breathing, there's yeah. all kinds of different ones. But it's basically just belly breathing. You're mm -hmm. just learning to bring in the breath through your nose, down through your throat, past your chest, into your belly. So proper belly breathing should be where your belly moves and not your chest. Got it. And most adults have learned to breathe wrong mm -hmm. over time, mm -hmm. right? So pretty much unless you're a singer, a swimmer, or like um, an athlete, <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I found that a lot of people, they don't know how to breathe well. They breathe improperly, which is why they're always in a state of anxiety or tension um, because they're breathing inefficiently. They're taking too many breaths. They're in a hyperventilated state. And um, I think, what was it? I think we're supposed to take 15 to 30 breaths a minute. Yeah. I believe it. I think, yeah. or, 10 to, or 10 to 15 breaths a minute. Yeah, not 30. I think it would be 15, around 15. Yeah, I think yeah. it's about 15. And I think what they find is most people are doing like double that. Oh. And um, and so really what it is that you're kind of breathing in, holding in for five or 10 seconds, and then breathing out. And ideally, it'd be best to breathe out at a longer count than you're breathing in. So what you're trying to do is achieve just a calm relaxation in your body and your mind and getting yourself back in a relaxed state. Mm. So whether you do that through music, through a calm app, through you know sound of nature or water or any of that kind of stuff it's just about kind of getting yourself to kind of slow down mm -hmm. and i find that that's really an effective practice like just when you're first waking up <clears throat> in the middle of the day when you're going to bed and then any other time you need it throughout the day mm -hmm. so it's just kind of trying to get yourself to a point where you can kind of get in a relaxed state because when people say, oh, I just go from zero to 100 and then I yell. I'm mm. like, no, you're probably at a 60. <laughs> you started off at a 60. God, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. So yeah. then if you're starting off yeah. at a 60 because you're breathing at 45 breaths a yeah. minute. Got it. And, you know, and you're not you're not feeling balanced mm -hmm. and your kid starts to nag you about eating chocolate for dinner, then you're going <laughs> to pop off yeah. because you're not in a state that's lower yeah right are you in my house you know exactly what's going on in this house. <laughs> no it's because i love it that's yeah. right <laughs> the other mindfulness thing is imagery that mm. this is one of my favorite ones and for me it's like i call it like sensory imagery and some people call it like your safe place or whatever but what you're doing is that you're tapping into all your senses and you're creating a kind of an image basically that will be your calm space because a lot of people who have a lot of intrusive thoughts and anxiety, they can't just do the breathing and call it a day mm -hmm. because their mind is still racing. Mm -hmm. So I think doing the breathing with the imagery is works best. So when you do that, you want to do things like, you know, your favorite color or your favorite place, like someplace you would see visually. Mm -hmm. You want to do bring in like your favorite sound, favorite taste or flavor, favorite smell, favorite like temperature, mm. um, just kind of all of the senses and what you would do and kind of in kind of having this whole script that you would do in your mind that creates these soothing emotional reactions in the midst of all this stuff that's going around. I love, and I love that one. I love that. And I love that you're bringing in the senses because yes. we talk about that with kids too, when the opposite direction, when they're overstimulated, they might have behaviors that are tantrums or acting out, but they're overstimulated. So the same way that the brain, I, I had, I think I, I, yesterday I had put up a drawing and you know, when, no, it wasn't yesterday. I'm sorry. Anyways, I, I had spoken about, um, when the brain is overstimulated you have these the senses are connected to the amygdala in the brain and then that just puts you in overdrive and you lose control of everything so it's nice to hear that we can do the opposite to bring that the, those emotions back down yeah totally yeah. and and i think that's why it's important like when i do these with individuals i have them even tap into like their favorite time of day their favorite mm. temperature so you know like some people say okay you know I, i'm on a snowy mountain in a log cabin i hear the <laughs> fireplace crackling oh, yeah. i can smell the hot chocolate <laughs> in the background mm. and it's warm but i feel the cold breeze yeah 
wow, right? <laughs> I'm relaxed already. Right. But it's true. That, yeah. That's the imagery yeah. and that's the sensory experience. So now when you do it mm. and you're wrapped up in your chenille blanket in front of the fireplace mm. and you're imagining the crackling fireplace and you have your hot chocolate, now you're instantly in that spot. Yeah. Right. Whether and, you're doing it in real life or not. And you're doing this. So like you said, in the morning, at some point, midday, and then at the end of your day. And can you, is it effective to do this in the moment <laughs> when yes. something's happening? Yeah, totally. And, you know, I mean, people can do it for 20 minutes or 30 minutes, but I mean, you can literally do it for two minutes. I mean, it doesn't have to be this long, drawn out relaxation protocol. Yeah, <laughs> it can just be something you do. And because, again, it's a, you're trying to get yourself in a habit. So instead of getting judgy self-judgy or worrying or uh these intrusive thoughts or um negative self-talk mm -hmm. you're basically replacing it with breathing you're replacing it with these calming visual sensory images you're replacing it with getting yourself focused attention mm -hmm. so rather than focusing on the mess and all the laundry you have to do and the pile of dishes and the loud kids mm -hmm. <sighs> mm -hmm. i'm just going to focus on my internal state What's going on? Why am I cranky? Oh, it's because I'm feeling a little hungry. When did I last <laughs> eat? I probably haven't eaten and I feel thirsty too. So I'm just going to do that. I'm going to meet those needs and I'm yeah. just going to relax. Mm. But you have to get into a place of relaxed state to be able to tap into that. Mm. There's always going to be dishes to do. Yeah. The house is always going to have to get clean. Always. <laughs> always. Always. So yeah. we have to kind of give ourselves a break and know that we're going to do the best that we can. And we just control what we can in the moment. And most of that is ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I you know the the whole thinking you know the visualization and the the the, the imagery and the the breathing that's exactly what I've been trying to tell parents that you are in control of what's happening here right now yes. yourself and although you can have that break of going out you can create I call them mini boosts of energy where you know you have your coffee something that means something to you and it doesn't matter what it is it could be a coffee that takes five minutes And it's not even about maybe your kids are still running around and they, they're not letting you have your coffee. But in that moment, when I sip that coffee, I take them. I try to be grateful for that moment. I try to tell myself this is my break. I'm breathing in. Like you said, you don't look around you. It doesn't matter what's happening, how many dishes have to be washed. But that break is just what we do inside our minds. It's not about the physical thing. It's it's inside. So mm -hmm. I love that, you know, including those breathing, the, the including the breathing and the, the, you know, I never thought about visualizing something. That's really cool because then at that point you have that, you, we do have something with the senses that allow us to relax, whether it's the beach or that, that home in, in, in the snow, you know, the, the cottage, yeah. it's, there is something that relaxes us and it's nice to tap into that. Well, ourselves. and we know that, you know, from a neurological perspective, a lot of our memories are tied to a, a feeling, yeah. um, a sense, a sense exactly, right? Yeah, exactly. And so that's why they say people with Alzheimer's, they hear an old song and they now know it, yes. they're back there again, yeah. right? Yeah. And so we have to tap into those things that help us feel alive again. Mm -hmm. And we do that through that. That's why for me, when I'm stressed and if I'm doing dishes or laundry, like when I'm actually doing them, yeah. <laughs> what I, I listen to is 80s music. Oh, nice. Because <laughs> that's when I was a teenager and man, that was my jam, yeah. Yeah, you know? <laughs> And it makes me feel, even talking about it makes yeah. me smile. Yeah. Like it's just, it puts me back in that place again. Mm. And so we have to tap into those things that get us into a state of calm, even when there's chaos around us. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing for the mindfulness mm -hmm. is the progressive muscle relaxation. Oh, yeah. With I that. think that's really important okay. because I think we have the imagery, we have the uh, 
the belly breathing. Yeah. And then I think the progressive muscle relaxation is super important because a lot of our tension is in our bodies. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so it's literally where you're tensing each muscle group while you breathe in and then you relax it okay. while breathing yeah. out. Right. So you're tensing your shoulders. You bring your shoulders up to your ears. You hold count of three, four, five, mm. and then you kind of exhale, relax the shoulders because then, and you go through all the body. So I'll do like the eyes, the jaw, the chest, the stomach, all from the head to the toe, because what you're doing is you're really trying to build body awareness and allow yourself mm. to know where you hold your tension so that you can release it. Uh. Like I remember when I would get a lot of tension headaches years ago, and I realized when I was working at my desk, it was because my shoulder, my right shoulder was higher. I was tensing it while I was typing. And then I was like gritting my, grinding my teeth. Oh. So when I realized what I was doing, then I was able to then hold my teeth together and then relax them, let them hang uh-huh. as I exhaled. Mm. So then I knew what I, where I was holding the tension. I was able to stop it just being aware of where I'm holding my tension in yeah. my body. Yep. It's a big problem for a lot of people. And that's why we, with bruxism and my husband said, yeah, I can hear you gnashing at night. Wow. And I'm like, Ooh, <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> so then I, as I was going to sleep, mm. I was doing the relaxation, the imagery, and I would allow my jaw to just hang mm. and being mindful of that. And I was able to stop it from yeah. doing that. So if we can do that in our conscious state, then our unconscious will then follow suit. Mm. And what a beautiful thing to model all this for our children. Oh, yeah. I, I'm just picturing even your kids being home and you taking the time to step away from a moment that's heated to take those deep breaths. Um, what we're showing them and, and we're showing them that it's okay to have these emotions. We can't make mm-hmm. that go away. But, you know, how we deal with these emotions makes a difference. Yep. Mm. And I've and I've told my kids, like, there's times when they're like, hey, what you going to do? Like on a Saturday, I'm like, I'm going into the media room and I'm going to be horizontal, which means I'm lying down. <laughs> And I'm spending this time to watch movies by myself. And those are boundaries, right? That, that yes. too. Yes, yes. I just had this discussion yesterday. Um, boundaries are so important. And it's okay to have them. But then it again, okay. guilt comes around that for some of us. Yeah. yeah. I, I have very little guilt about yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> Because I was like, I'm like, I'm a very good mom. I spend time with my kids. Yeah. But in order to be a good mom, and I tell them this, I need to have time by myself. Mm-hmm. I need to have time with your dad. I have mm-hmm. the time, have time with you, time with friends, yeah. time at work. Like yeah. all of that is balance. Yeah. So I'm not going to be a good mom if I spend all my time with you and I sacrifice all my needs for you. Mm-hmm. That's not being a good mom. Yeah. We're not meant to be sacrificial in this journey mm-hmm. because then we resent our kids or yeah. once they're old enough to have their own life and then they kick us to the curb, then what do we have left? No, no please tell me that doesn't happen. <laughs> No, no, mine are young. Don't say things like that. <laughs> no, I'm scared. <laughs> no. But it's true. And, But yeah. Really, it's normal, yeah, right? Exactly. They become teenagers and yeah. their friends become more important than you for a little bit. And that's yeah. okay. That's yeah. okay. Yeah. But if our whole identity is wrapped up in them, mm. then we start to lose ourselves. So that's why all of mm. this is important in terms of balance, in terms of just we become better parents when we do keep everything in balance. I really strongly believe that. I do that. I try to do that at work as much as possible modeling it for my team for my kids for my husband for myself because whenever i'm not i feel it i feel a difference and uh, some moms have told me you know they're single moms and they don't have the 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 ability to step back and allow somebody to watch over their kids however with the word boundaries you know boundaries show 
those around us what's important to us and our values and if we are important to ourselves and we're telling our kids you know whether it's five ten minutes once or twice a day saying this is mommy's time you know and you know we talk about the tv and no screen time but if screen time has to be that one half hour segment during whatever it is if you need that moment for yourself take it it's okay because you will be a better parent once you're you've taken that time to either read a book or go breathe or watch tv (laughs) you know and relax yourself in a different room that's okay Mm -hmm. and i think it's important for us to normalize that and not put guilt around saying that we have to be perfect all the time we don't and we're allowed to not be okay and we are allowed to take time for ourselves it's so important it is important and actually the, the american academy of pediatrics has actually loosened the regulations and requirements, recommendations <laughs> rather, for screen time. Yeah. I, I haven't they looked have, it up recently. I haven't seen it. Is it pandemic recently? <laughs> I think it's yeah. pandemic related yeah. because I think it used to be more, no more than 30 minutes per day for yes. this age and then no more than two hours. For, yeah. And it's like, we got to be realistic. Yes, and so, exactly. yeah, my kids have had more screen time they've ever had in their entire existence. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm fine with it because yeah. it helps. Yeah. There's nothing much else to do. I so know. we have to be flexible and model that flexibility because we're going to lose it if we don't. Yes, of course. And you know, mm-hmm. like, it's not even if, if you're working from home, I can't even I'm lucky I get to work at nighttime. So that's when the kids go to bed. But if you're working during the day and your kids are home, realistically, how are you supposed to work if they're not, you know, they have to stay busy. And I get that. And what's important also is once you're done your your work and if you spend a little bit of quality time with them, but to be 100 percent focused on them, you know, have whether it's 20 minutes before or after dinner that's okay so the rest of the day is fine but take some time to to fill up that cup you know that love that connection mm-hmm. build that bond um and they'll be okay <laughs> they're resilient mm-hmm. too <laughs> exactly yeah yeah thank you thank you too this was a great discussion with you i saw online that you have a course that's touching upon um, executive functions and i think it's really important for us to talk about that because it's something important for us as adults and for our kids can you talk a little bit about that yes i would love to so i have a uh, course coming out from a lot of demand from a lot of uh, parents um, and adults in general just about executive functions and is it adhd is it head trauma is it anxiety what is it and so this course, because ADHD and executive functions are about regulation, mm-hmm. um, it's focusing on really, edu- it's a two-part course, and it's educating them on what is ADHD and what are all the rule outs, like is it a learning disability, is it trauma, is it a car accident, like what else could it be, but more importantly, focusing on executive functions. Mm-hmm. So executive functions um, in terms of planning and organization and time management and all of those things, what does it look like? How does it show up in childhood? How does it show up in adulthood? And then how do you build it since they're all skills? Mm. And if as an adult, you never learned it as a kid, then you might be struggling with it now. And so it's a two-part course and I just go into a, you know, kind of a deep dive into it. Lots of handouts um, so that they can do a checklist to determine where are their strengths and weaknesses. And then I give them very practical detail strategies in terms of how to strengthen them is this something that will only be open for a specific amount of time or ongoing no no um it'll be opening up this week um and or by the time this airs whenever um it'll be opened up and no it'll be available and once they uh, purchase the course they'll have access to it to look at it as many times as they need to thank you so much for this conversation thank you too i hope you enjoyed my interview with dr lockhart 
there are so many points that um, I was able to relate to and I think are important for us to know and start applying in our lives. Like I promised at the beginning of the episode, we have a little twist today in, in our episode. I have Marion, who is now our producer and I guess, you know, co-host because we'll be chatting now at, at the end of the episode. Um, so welcome. Hi, nice Hi. to be here. <laughs> Thanks for joining this podcast <laughs> and joining me, um, you know, to have conversations about parenting. Just like me, you are both a neuroscientist and a mom of three. So I think we'll have a lot to talk about. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm so happy. I've been following Curious Neuron for over a year now, and I think you're doing really incredible things, interviewing such fantastic people. And I hope to help um, grow this audience and get this message out to to more people and it's really exciting uh i think today's guest was really great um i related in so many ways <laughs> yes. hearing her hearing other professionals going through similar things especially during these times when we're we're on lockdown and we're with our kids and we we just don't seem to get as many breaks as we normally yeah, would and exactly. so i think yeah, i think she gave us a lot of good tips your children are a little bit older. Two of them are a little bit older than mine. I'm wondering how different things are for us. So I know for for me in my home, the the stress comes from being with three small kids all the time who are still dependent uh, in many ways, mm -hmm. um, which is fine. But that's where the like by the end of the day, you're you're overwhelmed because you know you've heard mommy so many times and you're <laughs> you're trying to help as much as you can. How does it work for you? I know that two of your children are in school. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you have uh, a four-year-old. He's still in daycare. Mm -hmm. um, maybe I should just introduce myself a little bit. I'm, I, I'm right now. I'm a, I'm a uh, postdoc, so I finished my 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 degree in neurophysiology, a PhD in neurophysiology, where I studied eye movements. And afterwards, I started a postdoc um, at the Montreal Neurological Institute. And here I'm studying uh, developmental neuroplasticity. So I'm really interested in how the brain changes. And in the lab, I look at the cellular and molecular changes that um, happen during development due to experiences or different, um, different things in our environment. And then I study that also at home with my three kids. So my kids are four, uh, seven and 11. So we have, a, they're a little bit older than yours. Mm -hmm. And Ethan, he's the youngest, he's um, in daycare. And then my two oldest, are seven and 11, they go to elementary school. So this last year they've been on and off of school. We've, I think we were home for a good six months and then they started going back to school in September and then we've had breaks here and there. And I think what, what um, I really related to in this episode is when Anne Louise talked about the unpredictability, this, yeah. this idea that we, the kids are going to school but we still never know, are they gonna be sent home? We can get emails like, late at night saying school's closed tomorrow we have a case of the uh, in your class you have to quarantine for two weeks and so as you're setting yourself as a, as a professional and you're trying to 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 set up your your work week you just you never know am I gonna have to have <laughs> plans to entertain three kids are we homeschooling like what's going on and we still don't know even a year into it we're still uh, the uncertainty is really high and yeah, I can't even imagine how hard that is. I I'm lucky enough not to have to work during the day. But when you have to change your work schedule or you have deadlines, there are so many parents out there that have to make those changes at the last minute. And it's that causes a lot of anxiety. Yeah, for sure. My husband yeah. and I both have 
like somewhat flexible schedules, but still it's, it's, we mm-hmm. call it tag team parenting. It's like, you're on, you're on. <laughs> yeah. and, that, and that works for a little bit, but it gets, it gets really tiring. And especially for your relationship, if you're trying yeah. to have any relationship with your, your husband <laughs> and you're both home all the time, parenting on mm-hmm. call all the time, it, it's, it's quite draining. And that's why I really wanted to talk about mindfulness, because I find that we can't make all of this go away and it's not going to get easier, but there are little things that we can try to do. You know, it's not going to solve everything, but I find that even for me working on mindset, it doesn't mean that you'll have seven perfect days in a row, but it means that sometimes those harder days are going to be just a little less harder and you'll be able to kind of make your way through the week even if you have a tougher week um and i love the fact that she mentioned you know working with our our senses Mm -hmm. just that whole activity where you're you're picturing being in a place and you're she mentioned being in a cottage but i picture being at the beach (laughs) because here (laughs) we i don't want to picture the snow yeah exactly (laughs) i'm like i don't want any more snow um but just being able to picture yourself there and and think of the warmth and the smells and i started doing it with my kids too my three-year-old particularly and Mm -hmm. it, it really helped kind of change his mind when he's when when his emotions are kind of going little (laughs) everywhere yeah Um, and it helps me too and I think that's something that we can all start applying slowly you know getting used to that but it 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 takes our our mind away from the stress yeah for sure and I I love when your examples of of the coffee break and I think (laughs) it really plays into how the brain works and how we need to give ourselves these little micro wins and our and reward ourselves. So if we say like, yeah, I've, I've poured a cup of coffee and I, you know, I take cream and sugar or honey and sugar. Now I put a little honey and sugar and mm. I, and, and you just like, okay, this is my moment. The kids are, I, I don't know what they're doing <laughs> they're behind me. <laughs> I can, I can stare at the window. Also staring at a window is, is great. Get your, your senses, you know, away from the chaos and just somewhere else. And, and just take a moment for yourself. And like, yes, I got up in the morning, I've made my coffee. And that's, that's a win. Your, your, yes. your brain is rewarded. Yeah. You have like a little <laughs> dopamine hit and you're like, okay, I can get onto the, the next one, which is, you know, have a glass of water take my vitamins and, yeah. and then, and then I'll make breakfast for the kids. But mm. I think this idea of, of helping yourself first and, and getting yourself onto the right track first thing in the morning is, is really good. I like that you mentioned also the dopamine hit. It's mm-hmm. kind of a funny way to think about it, but it the dopamine is kind of saying like, ah, this is good. This yeah. feels good. Let's do it again. Yeah. <laughs> and even I, I think sometimes we, we might think that it's selfish and just kind of funny, but at lunchtime I made these pita pizzas today and one had a little extra cheese and I was like, ah, oh, that one, <laughs> that one looks really good. <laughs> and then I was like, oh no, I, I'm going to give it to my kids. And I was like, no, I, they won't know. It's okay. <laughs> it's mine. <laughs> and, sure. but that, you know, little things that don't make a difference, but we, we put so much emphasis on, on being perfect and, and helping everybody. And we forget about ourselves. Yeah. And it's just little things. Like you said, that coffee for me, they're, the kids might not be sitting down and <laughs> and watching me and, and not moving. For sure, my toddler is doing something and destroying something. <laughs> but in in that moment, that coffee is for me. And I'm I'm grateful in that moment. And I, I you know, look outside. And I like the fact that you said also you have a spot. <laughs> I don't yes. have a spot. <laughs> I just had the coffee. <laughs> I have a little spot, which I made, I, I think it was this year. Uh, we have a bit of an open concept on the on the main floor. So our kitchen and our living room, it's all kind of connected. 
Um, but I've made, I put a chair in one of the corner and I put a plant and a little side table and I have my, my books that I think that I might read at some point. <laughs> so, I know it's there and I sit there every once in a while. I, usually at least once a day, I'll sit there and just take a breath and mm -hmm. think about reading a book, which doesn't happen very often, but sometimes, you know, sometimes I'll open the book and read a few pages and it just feels like a little getaway. Yeah. I like that. I'm going to try that. You yeah. have to find a, a spot. <laughs> I'm this little comfy chair. I have a little, a nice little pillow that I like. <laughs> but it's, it's funny. It, it sounds like it, it's not a big thing. It's a pillow or a chair or a plant that you like, but mm -hmm. that's exactly what brings you a bit of joy. Mm -hmm. And that's what we have to look for. Little tiny things in our day that, that bring us that joy that, you know, that's for you, that yeah. piece of pizza with extra cheese or that chair or that pillow that brings you joy, whatever it is. We need to think of that to, to help ourselves. Yeah. Um, I, I found this really interesting article that spoke about mindful parenting. So the title is a, a model of mindful parenting and it's by Duncan. Um, it's in 2009 from the clinical. Okay. Wait, it's, it's from 2009. And what I liked from this study is that they spoke about two things, two skills in, in mindfulness that we can start applying now. It's observing and describing. And it's not about observing what your child is doing in a heated moment. It's about observing yourself, your senses. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to what Anne-Louise was saying about her senses, which goes back to our brain as well. Our senses are connected to our emotions, um, yeah. it's, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. So if if our children, we can look at it in the negative way, if our children are overstimulated, they might be acting out. Their emotions are out of control. Well, we can use that connection to bring it back down, even for us. So if we want to calm ourselves, using our senses can help and observing and just making note of it, taking the time. So whenever there's an action, let's say your child does something or has a tantrum, instead of what they say in this study is automatically doing something, which is like, you know, they, they scream or cry and you get mad and you yell, that's automatic. But yeah. creating a space in between whatever action it is and your own reaction by observing yourself saying, okay, I feel my heart pounding, I'm, I'm getting anxious, and then describing it. Mm -hmm. In your mind, it creates that space which is allowing you to be more mindful of that given moment, which I really like. I think it's something that I could apply to and, and, and we can all apply to Absolutely. create that space. Yeah, I love that. I, I think yeah. that would, that doesn't just work with your kids. I think that works with everyone. <laughs> when you're irritable, it's irritable for whatever reason, yeah. sometimes <laughs> it is someone in your environment, or you know, sometimes you're just in a bad mood because you're yeah. you're hungry, you're tired, yeah. you're you're going through different uh, emotion emotions. It's true. Yeah. And you're just like, okay, yeah, this is irritating me. What's going on? And my, my heartbeat goes up. It, yes. yes. I think it's really. It's yeah. Good. And, and that's part of mindfulness too. So I, I, you know, it's something pretty simple. Well, if you enjoyed today's episode, just as much as we did, you could head on to iTunes and rate it out of five stars and leave a review. Let us know. You can also reach me at info at if you have any questions for me or if, there, or if there's a topic you'd like me to cover and visit us on Instagram at curious underscore neuron. Remember that parenting has its ups and downs, but the most important part and the first thing we need to do is nurture ourselves and then our children and each other. Thank you. Thank you, Marion. Thank you. See you soon.